Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, a chilly, rainy Macomb, Illinois, which is pretty nice uh, considering how, how dry it has been. Now, uh, folks, we have been spending a lot more time, at least in my house, with our kids because they're not going to school right now. They are doing the whole e-learning thing. And on top of that, you know, I'm spending more time at home because I work a couple days a week now from home uh, to help out with e-learning and things like that. So the families, we're, we're sticking together, we're being close, but we need some help. We need some ideas for activities. And so we got a jam-packed show today about activities to do with kids, especially with this time of year. So I can't do this by myself, folks. Please welcome our faithful hosts that are here every week, Katie Parker, local foods educator in Adams County. Hello, Katie. Hey, Chris. Well, Katie, how are things going for you down in Adams County? Things are going pretty well. As you did said, it's pretty chilly outside. Uh, as we record, I'm sitting with my heater on in our office. Um, but other things, otherwise, things are going pretty well. We're still pretty dry. Um, we got about a tenth of an inch of rain last night. Um, so we could definitely use some more rain, which hopefully we'll get today. We did um, try aerating our lawn last night, but it was definitely way too dry. Uh, so we weren't successful with that. Yep, and it is a, a perfect time of year right now to, to aerate your lawn. But as, as Katie mentioned, we do need a little bit of soil moisture for those tines to gain purchase so they can actually, well, aerate the, the lawn. So, so Katie, the... What kind of aerator are you using for your lawn? So we purchased a pull-behind aerator. Uh, it's just something we thought was a wise investment, something we can use each year. And that way we don't have to rent it. It's a little less expensive, too, than the um, self-propelled aerator. Yeah, I do. I like the pull-behind aerators a lot better also. They're just much easier to control in terms of making turns and the speed at which you're going. So yeah, I think that would be a great tool to have, um, you know, for, for the, the lifetime that you own a home that has a lawn. Right. Yep. I think it'll be useful and um, our neighbor wants to borrow it too. So we don't have to be in those rental windows. So that's nice as well. That's right. And then you can rent out your aerator. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Business-minded Chris. Of course, as always. You know, as we haven't gotten those sponsors yet, so uh, still waiting, you know, to uh, see <laughs> there you go. start selling ourselves here on this show. And, of course, we have Ken Johnson, horticulture educator in Jacksonville, Illinois. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris and Katie. If you're ever in Jacksonville, Katie, bring the aerator. I'll borrow it for a little bit. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a hitch on my car and just, just pull it over there. Strap it to the roof. <laughs> Ken, do you have a riding mower, or are you just going to make your kids pull it around the yard? We do have a riding mower, but we could put the kids to work and, and have them pull it. There you go. We didn't initially, ha or we don't have a riding lawnmower. We had to borrow my parents, and <laughs> that was an option. Because we were just so excited to use it. it, was well, maybe we could just pull it around the yard. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of kids uh, and child labor and things like that, we we need some ideas for what to do with our children this time of year. 
Um, so we are welcoming our special guest uh, this time around. We have Brittany Haig, horticulture educator. Now, Brittany is, is housed in McLean County, uh, which would be the, the Bloomington Normal area. So, Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, Brittany, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and why horticulture? What brought you here? Sure. I am a um, Central Illinois great farm girl. I grew up on a farm, have older brothers, always was around um, agriculture. I was always outside exploring and growing, always had my hands in the dirt, and um, I took a horticulture class in high school, and that's where I really... Um, fell in love with the, the science of plants and growing and educating others. So I decided to major in that in college. I went to Illinois State University for my undergrad and, and master's. And I was very lucky. I was able to work at the IASU Horticulture Center. Um, and that is an outside laboratory for the students, but it's also a public garden. And they have the most adorable children's garden at the center. And I fell in love with working with the, the kids and educating and teaching them. They're just little sponges. So um, I, I enjoy teaching the, the youth of, um, of our community to, to grow things. And you, yeah, and with Extension, you have uh, helped develop curriculum and, and, and activities that can then be employed in, in schools. Is that, is that correct? And I, I think I've heard of these uh, all the way even here in Macomb, some of your work that you're doing in your region. Yeah, so I've, I have worked with the Master Gardeners here in our unit for about eight years and we have a lot of retired educators and they want to keep working with youth you know we have some that are like I'm done working with kids but I have a large a large population that um, love reaching those young minds so we've developed these youth science teaching kits that our master gardeners can go out and connect to all ages and um, teach them about things from ladybugs to trees to seeds butterflies. We have a lot of different kits that our volunteers um, teach from. And then we've also been doing a lot of activity kits this summer. Um, we've done probably over 3,000 activity kits that we have distributed to our community um, for gardening activities this summer when kids needed something to do. So Brittany, we, we definitely need help. And I'll speak from my own household here. Um, you know, I would say five months ago, six months ago, it was get off the screen, get off the TV, no tablet, no this. Uh, now it is, hey, sit down and look at this screen. Your teacher's talking. And so now we have totally flipped this around and we're like, we're telling our kids they need to keep sitting here and watching these screens. So, I mean, they need help. You know, what what tips do you have that, that I can employ to give my kids a little bit of a break and go outside maybe? Yeah, so it is a, a total flip in the way we have been operating for for quite some time. Um, but I love it. I love that the kids are having are going to get outside more. Um, that we get to encourage them to go outside more and, and explore. That you know, nature is a, a great place for them to get these hands-on experiential learning opportunities that um, they're not definitely not getting right now by um, sitting in front of a computer screen. So I would um, recommend just going out and starting by exploring your, your backyard, your park, um, a nature area in by your home and explore. Find something that piques your kids' interest and, and run with it. 
Um, my daughter is five and she has really um, grabbed onto fruit this fall. We have some fruit trees at our, our new house and she's very into growing fruit and harvesting. I'm like, mama, when are they ready? When, when can we harvest? And, and then we picked apples and made applesauce already. So it's um, just find something they're interested in and run with it. But really all um, parts of nature and gardening can be connected to school curriculum. Um, you just got to be creative. And, and I do have some resources as well that teachers and parents can can find on our website for ideas. Excellent. And we can link uh, those resources in the show notes below. Now, oftentimes, like for indoor tours, etc., there's some that are good for different ages or to have um, your different age kids do what they're capable of doing. Is that the same for outdoor tours? And what are some of the different age-related outdoor tours that kids can do? Yeah, of course, you always want to find things that um, the younger kids can be successful at and enjoy doing. So uh, kids love watering. That's That would probably be their favorite thing to do in the garden. Water, um, new plants, existing plants, pots, water, water, water. Um, another great activity coming up soon would be raking leaves. This is fun um, and, and good exercise for them, raking those leaves and, and jumping in the pile, of course, when you're done. Um, at one of our summer camps, we encourage them to pull weeds in the garden, and we have a competition to see who can pull the biggest weed or the most weeds. And um, so make it fun. Make, it, make the kids um, want to do it is definitely... You don't want to say, oh, you're going out and doing chores. You want to play a game or be creative when you're you're doing these gardening activities or gardening gardening chores to us, but to kids, we, we want to have fun. Yeah, no. I think anytime you make it a competition, it's always more fun. Of course. I'll also add that my kids fight over the water wand and who gets to do the watering. So I totally can see that. My kids like to water each other. It always ends up in a fight. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> so so what are some things um, we can do with our kids, kind of gardening activities we can do indoors, especially since we're kind of getting into to fall where it's going to get a little more rainy, a little cooler, um, and the kids may not necessarily want to be outside? Yeah, so um, you can still grow the grow plants indoors. One of my um, favorite little activities, I know when, when we were growing up, we had chia pets, um, but they can make their own grass head to grow indoors. So you take a, a paper cup, you poke holes down in the bottom for that water drainage, um, have them draw a silly face on the, the paper cup, and then you fill that with soil, use um, grass seed. My favorite is a wheat grass seed. It germinates very quickly and is really nice, lush green, and um, comes up really quick. The kiddos can style the hair and cut it, um, but then you can also kind of incorporate some school lessons in it, you know, measuring how much your grass hair grows every day, or maybe an experiment of how does it grow in the sun versus grown um, in the closet or somewhere that doesn't receive a lot of sunlight. So the kids are having fun by growing this grass head, this cute little grass guy, but um, you can also secretly be incorporating those those um, school lessons in the curriculum as well. And I think like some of these grass things, um, we have actually used that a similar thing, and, and we use cat grass, which I think is just like a type of wheat, 
and the the cats then are able to eat them once the kids are done with them. Um, dissecting plant parts is, a, is another um, just fun activity for the kids to do. So you can dissect the the seeds, like a lima bean seed. You can do the roots, like a radish, or cut open the stem, like a celery. So um, again, showing them what they eat and what's inside it, and then the different plant parts um, when when it's actually cut open. So just ex- using plants to explore and um, learn. And Brittany, we also do get questions from the the public in in terms of uh, things that we can also do with kids. Now, I, I know uh, this first one here kind of it kind of deals more with a school setting, uh, but then a couple of them are uh, about uh, learning at home. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind helping us answer some of these uh, questions that have come into the office, whether whether our extension office or social media, that would be great. Sure, love to. Excellent. So, Ken, I think you got the the first one here. All right. So our first question comes from Knox County. Um, This person's uh, school, their fourth to sixth grade, um, has a small prairie plot. Uh, What are some activities they can include for the kids to use this space? Um, And are there any precautions they need to take before doing that? Yeah, so my mind, like, it's just exploding with all the the possible ideas to use it, even this little prairie plot. Um, Of course, we always want to wear long sleeves and pants when we are going into any garden area um, just to protect our, our skin. Um, but connecting the small prairie plot to all school curriculum is, is totally possible um, by just simply even going out and using it as a place to um, create art or writing journaling prompts. Um, this would be a great place to go and identify plants, research these plants um, here in a, a few weeks, probably collect those seeds so that um, the kiddos could do. Um, Ken would love the idea um, of observing what insects are on each plant. You can you can um, learn a lot by just sitting there and watching the this little small garden plot for even 10 minutes, seeing what pollinators visit it, what um, which one is most popular versus others. Um, you can also go out and measure plants. I know um, kids get tired of of learning in in school, but um, comparing, contrasting different plants of which one is taller versus um, the others. Prairies are a wonderful place to learn about the food chains, um, how these plants and animals interact in these food chains and how everything is interconnected. So you can, can, even in a small prairie plot, I'm sure you could find a lot of um, insects and birds and, plants that all can be connected through these food chains. Um, I love scavenger hunts for kids. So this little plot could be a great place to do a little scavenger hunt if it's um, finding certain colors or textures or plants. So depending on your age, you can um, make the scavenger hunt harder or easier. Um, But scavenger hunts are a great way to, for them to really observe the, the space and the, the, plants as well. We have another question from Facebook. They're asking, last year our kids raised monarchs in their kindergarten class. Can we still order monarch caterpillars for this year or is it too late? So it is not too late. The places online are still selling. You just want to make sure you have fresh milkweed available for these caterpillars. So depending on where you are, you know, some of those milkweeds may have already set feed and have started um, dying for the year. So that's 
what you need to check first before you order the caterpillars. You, um, the, the monarch caterpillars only feed on these milkweed, so if you do not have fresh milkweed available, or will have it and um, when, the, when the caterpillars will shift, it, it is too late and would, would wait. Um, if you do have access to milkweed, sure, go ahead and do it for another few weeks. Um, you want to allow several weeks in there for those monarchs. They have a long journey down, down to Mexico for the, the winter, so you do want to um, keep that in mind. So if the weather turns cold, we want to um, maybe avoid releasing those monarchs. But I, I love the opportunity the kids get to watch the, the caterpillars turn into the chrysalis and then turn into that butterfly. It's, it's so magical to these kids. So if, if you can do it, you have milkweed, absolutely go ahead um, and do it for the next couple weeks. And I'll add an easy one to substitute for monarchs if you don't have milkweed would be something like um, silk moths. Um, the, the moths we actually get silk from, you can buy those. They feed on mulberries um, in a lot of places that sell these silk moths. Um, we'll sell a powdered mulberry um, that you can ba you basically cook it and you form a gel that you can feed them. You can just keep that in the refrigerator so you can do that um, during the winter if you wanted to raise caterpillars. I was doing yard work this last weekend and in our holly bush there was a vine growing up and I wasn't thinking very much and I just went and I grabbed and I yanked the vine out and I looked at him like, oh, this is honey vine, which is um, it's in the dog bane family. Um, so it's related to milkweed. And the more I looked at him, like, oh, there's there's four monarch caterpillars on this thing. So I feel very guilty now about that. But um, so we pinned it to uh, some more milkweed that were growing nearby. So I hope the caterpillars made the jump to the the not pulled uh, milkweed. Well, speaking of insects, we do have our next question here deals with. Um, as, as these people are asking bugs and they're saying that uh, my kids are scared of bugs and they want to know uh, is there any way to make them more comfortable uh, dealing with insects so Brittany what do you think and Ken I know you might also have some some things to say as as well this is a good question because as adults I think we um, we have hesitations by I know I do by um, with insects you know seeing a giant spider out in the garden or um, it catches you off guard and it, you're a little unsure of it. Um, so I think that the first thing is don't let the kids see you be afraid of the insects. Um, you may be afraid and that's okay, but if they see you are scared, they're going to be scared as well. So set a good example, um, like we always try to do with our, when our kids are around. Um, and then let them observe. Don't make them hold it right away. Let them observe it maybe in some, either out in nature or in a habitat in your house. Let them watch it. Um, get comfortable with it and then they um, maybe eventually will grow to like it and they may not um, but we can just set a good example and, and maybe talk about fascinating things about the insects or how um, beneficial qualities that insects have for us so yeah it, it is a good, good question I'm Ken what what is your experience working with these kids in the with insects so yeah I agree with the making sure that you are not showing fear of them i think that's that's probably the biggest thing it's a lot of this is kind of a learned behavior you know you see an insect you kind of freak out start yelling screaming they pick up on that and they start to think that bugs are bad i know i've got um some of the madagascar, madagascar hissing cockroaches i take to schools and stuff and daycares um and you can usually tell it seems to be around the, the kindergarten first grade 
is when it, it, that kind of our fear of insects that we have as a society has kind of starts to take over in kids. A lot of times in daycares and stuff in kindergarten, the kids kind of haven't learned that yet or they don't care, so they're a lot more willing to, to look at them and, and handle them and touch them and stuff. Um, and as they get older, they get a lot more apprehensive. Um, and a lot of times, you know, especially in schools and stuff, when you have, you usually have that one kid that's all that wants to hold them and stuff, and then kind of the other kids see them hold it, and, and they kind of pick up on that. So you kind of modeling that behavior that, you know, these are okay, they're not going to hurt you, depending on what the insect is, and showing them that it's okay. Um, well, they'll pick up on that, and they'll kind of slowly um, warm up to them. Um, and, yeah, and just kind of exposing them to them, I think, is another thing, and just, you know, like you said, Brittany, going out in the garden, showing them the insects, talking to them about them, how they're good, how they're bad, kind of reinforcing that they are not going to hurt you. Um, even with stuff like wasps and stuff, as long as you leave them alone, they're not going to hurt you for the most part. So um, just kind of reinforcing that they, they, they don't need to be scared of them and they're not kind of out to get them and hurt them for the most part. Ken, I, I do remember when we were just getting to know each other and we had signed up to both work the Illinois State Fair Extension booth and I showed up and you had your Madagascar hissing cockroaches and I was very apprehensive about handling them, but you showed me how to do it. And over time, we were both out in the crowds and showing people. And I noticed, as you just said, that adults were, they they freaked out. They were, they got scared. They didn't, they were like, get those away from me. But the kids were just curious. So I think kids are just like so curious about these things and they, they, they want to probably learn more about them. and. And, and handle them and the kids would touch them pet them hold them but most adults they would like jump and run away and so it, it was fun to scare adults and but also it was pretty neat to see the the excitement with the kids holding such a, a large insect in their hand yes i've been to some preschools recently where they you know the kids will go picking the cicada shells up they love counting the cicada shells and hanging them on their shirts and um then it you know, all it takes is one adult to like, ew, but the, the kids just think it's the coolest thing ever and um, just want to see what they are and they find them really fascinating. So I, I, like I said, it can said, it's definitely a, a learned trait that they, um, that when they're little, they can tolerate them. And then as they get older, you know, it's, they get scared of them for some reason. And I could say I have three kids, the, the oldest and the youngest have no problems with insects. The middle kid, I think, got indoctrinated at, at daycare that, that bugs are bad. So he is he's definitely much more apprehensive about insects. So I am I'm slowly working on rehabilitating him <laughs> to show that you know that you don't need to be scared of these things. That they're not, and for the most part, they're not going to hurt you. They they all serve a purpose for something. What about indoor plants? Are there any good indoor plants to put in a child's room that we can teach them about plant needs? Yeah, so so growing plants indoors is a in their room is a is a great place to teach them that responsibility of watering and caring, cleaning up, um, and then eventually having to repot and possibly propagating these plants. Um, some of so when you when you do grow house plants indoors, it is a little trickier if you don't have great sunlight. So some plants that are are great for low light conditions and maybe even dry air from our from our um, air conditioner or, or heater um, would be like spider plants, um, snake plant does great, or mother-in-law's tongue. Um, ZZ plant is one of our favorites here at the extension office, so we have hardly any 
um, light in the office. Very few window, very few offices have windows. So, but we have ZZ plants growing all around the office. Um, it's a great, very um, robust, healthy-looking plant. No matter if it gets good sunlight or good water, but it teaches the kids the responsibility to to water. Um, you don't want to pick plants that are harder to grow and the kids fail. You want to you want to pick plants that will survive those conditions to make them learn that responsibility, but also want to or you know succeed. They feel proud that they are able to grow these plants. So keep that in mind when you're picking house plants. But the spider plant is a really easy one. It produces the the babies all over the the for the shoots, and then the snake plant. Um, can be easily propagated as well by, by the leaf cutting. So that's a fun activity for the kiddos to do. All right, and then our last question, um, and I am a guilty of this, um, of having unrealistic expectations, um, but what is a realistic expectation for a kid's attention span? <laughs> Good question. Um, you know, it, it's, it totally depends on the kid and the day, but um, just I encourage everybody to, to be patient with the kids outside. It's it may be new new territory for a lot of them. They may be mentally exhausted from staring at a computer screen, but um, just focus on you know having fun, exploring. Keep it short. You don't want to go out and expect I'm going to get this this and this done in my garden this today with my kids. You're never going to get it all done. Um, Kids have very short attention spans, we know that, but then add on the stress that they're they're feeling right now with, with school not being around their friends and um, their classmates and they're, they're sitting on computers. So um, keep it short, but keep it fun, keep it hands-on. Um, but I would, I would start with like a, a five to 10 minute max for the first time you're going out and wanting to work in the garden. Um, and you're not going to get a whole lot of work done, but you're going to have fun. Yeah, I'll say like what Brittany just said, you're not going to get a whole lot of work done. Ha having your kids, at least my kids, maybe everyone else's kids are better than mine, but and, and that's totally possible because going out in the garden with my kids, I, I never expect that the work will be easier. But I, I do know that they are learning things and they're having fun so don't have the expectation of, oh man, I have, I have six extra hands helping me out here. This is gonna go quick. That's totally not the case. It's gonna be harder. It's gonna take more time. But I think it's something that you and your kids will remember. So yeah, I think that is just, that's a, a perfect way to, to wrap up our questions today. Well, that was a great podcast, folks. A lot of good information there about what to do with your kids now that we are well parents we're spending more times with them and grandparents and aunts and uncles we're all kind of chipping in to help raise these kids here so uh thank you so much Brittany, for being on the show today we really appreciate your time and uh, we will link uh your uh, uh re references and resources in the show notes below thanks so much chris yeah if people need ideas inspiration have questions um Contact me at the Extension Office, and I would be happy to help. That is fantastic. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is produced by Wendy Ferguson, and the show is edited by me, Chris Enroth. Uh, special thanks goes out to our faithful co-hosts, 
that show up every single weekend. And Katie, thank you both very much for being on the show today. Wouldn't miss it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do it again next week. And we shall. We are actually going to be chatting with our very own producer, Wendy Ferguson. We're going to be talking about, I think we're going to dive a little bit more into this observation uh, idea with kids, adults, as we dive into the topic of nature journaling and just being more observant when we are outdoors and learning a few things along the way, taking a little break and relaxing. So... Join us for that show next week, folks. And as always, thank you listeners for doing what you do best, and that is listening. Keep on growing. <laughs>